What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? We are back with the Transfer Portal Podcast. Uh, sad times, no more college football, but um, we're going to give a lot of content. We're going to power through it, get y'all through the offseason. Presented by uh, No Context Football. I'm Adam. I'll be your host. I'm here with Andrew and Josh. How y'all doing today? Um, you know, of course, we're obviously all a little bit sad that college football's over. But in reality, it's just the regular season and the bowl season that's over. If we're being wholeheartedly honest, it's not really over. You still got the transfer portal, no pun intended, you know, going crazy right now. We got NFL draft coming up. We got, you know, in some cases, even head coaching. Carousel's probably still progressing. You know, I think those are the storylines that we got to keep ahead of right now. Uh, I'm really happy with how it's been since the season's been over. This is actually the first episode postseason, really, considering that Brian and Doug's episode was only just a, them celebrating the, the national title game. But I'm actually kind of like a little bit – I'm a little bit relaxed. You know, it's uh, – you know, we saw a lot of good things, a lot of bad things. Uh, it, it feels good to go through a Saturday and not be stressed out. Yeah, I, I, I can agree. It's, it's been exciting. There's been a lot of news going on. And um, like you said, the transfer board has been going crazy. I'm excited for it. Josh, how are you? I'm good. I uh, got my uh, Joey Burrow. Uh, Jersey on. Uh, I'm not a Bengals fan, but I'm a Joe Burrow fan. He's awesome. So fun times there. Yeah. College football. There's no real off season. The off season just uh, part of it. So I'm just ready to go. Uh, ready to see some talk about transfers and other things. Let's get it. And we still got uh, the actual national signing day coming back, coming up in a couple of weeks too. We do. We do. We need, uh, need the Cougars to make some moves. Uh, I've been you know, hearing- we've been, you know, we've been killing the, the actual transfer portal itself lately. I think we're becoming yeah. Juco. We're becoming Juco U if we're being wholeheartedly honest. And <laughs> I've, I've, I've really been happy with how the actual recruiting cycle has been. And the fact that Dana is really, you know, it seems like he's really understanding the city of Houston very well in terms of recruiting. It seems like he's reaching out to Tom ball, you know, and that was one of the biggest, one of the biggest moves that they've got was, I'll have to remember the guy's name again, but you know, we got the USC receiver who was originally a Tomball guy. So, and he's still going to have three years of eligibility back uh, on the season. So, you know, like, like Josh said, we don't really have an off season. It's more of just the next chapter. Really. We're just not seeing anything on the actual physical field. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. I'm, I'm looking forward to Houston. They can do kind of what Miami did kind of build that wall around Houston. Like Tom, Tom Herman tried to do it. He did it. Pretty successfully, I would he say. Did, he did it for a season and a half. I'll give it to him. Man, yeah. You no, know, do it for a little bit longer. Build that wall. It's a, it's a lot of football talent in, in Houston. It's insane, honestly. But um, season is over. It was a rough season for for, for some. Um, what were some of y'all favorite moments from the season? Uh, personal or, like, maybe, like, just in general? Because I think I got two answers for this one. More personal, we probably have the same one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll, I'll probably go ahead and just go with a generic one. Uh, I think I remember during the Thanksgiving episode, we talked about the thing during the season, the, 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 something that we were most thankful for. And I think it was Dylan that said that he was most thankful for the fans being back. And in terms of fan atmosphere, going to the college, going to college station for Texas A&M Alabama to on October 9th, I believe it was yet. Yeah, that sounds right. And uh, see A&M pull the upset over Alabama and Kyle Field. I went into that game thinking that Alabama was going, uh, the A and M was going to get killed because you know coming off the two straight losses, 
uh, one in Arkansas, one against Arkansas in Dallas, and the other one uh, at, uh, against Mississippi State at Kyle Field. So I'm thinking to myself, man, this is just going to be such a massive waste of time. Why the hell did I buy this ticket? And then to see that that to see that atmosphere was just being so electric the way it was the whole the whole time. I've I felt like I've read something about Kyle Field and that experience multiple times this season. Uh, and, and just to see the the whole fan atmosphere just come together, storming that field, triumphing over number one. Let's just be honest, this might have been the most irrelevant game of the season with how the playoff worked out. But uh, in terms of in the moment, that was that was honestly special to, you know, that was that was the first moment where I really thought to myself the fans really were back. And mm-hmm. to go to the games that I've gone to the that I've gone to see this season. Uh, regardless if it was media credentials or, or just going just as a fan just to get some content for the site. It was spectacular. I loved everything about the season in terms of the fans being back. Uh, that's and, and, and I think 2020 truly made me realize just how just how much we just took for granted. And I, I'm really and I'm really happy that that as that as fans, we really got to experience uh, that that feeling, you know, being with people that we support the same team with. Yeah, I can feel that. I mean, you you, you made the most of it. I, I have a question for you, though. What would you say was the best fan experience of all the games you went to? Not necessarily the stadium, the best fan experience. Is it A&M? That's what I imagine it would be. Here's the thing. A&M and Wisconsin have, you know, for me, those, those two experiences were 1A and 1B in terms of stadium, and college town and college town atmosphere. If I'm going just off of like fields of the stand of, of the fields of the fans, that sounds so stupid. The feel of the fans in the in the stadium in that moment. Honestly, I, I probably still have to say AM to be honest with you. And it was just the singing that they did during the intros, during the the pre-hype videos, the the whole 12th man, the whole even though I don't like random people touching me, the whole grabbing each other's shoulders and swaying back and forth, I still don't even know what the hell that is. You know, it's, it's the fact that college football makes you realize that it's a culture, you know, and I, you know, and Adam, I think you understand this about every bit as much as I do that in a way it's, it almost feels like a soccer atmosphere in terms of it's very, it's very location based, you know, it's kind of what you're saying with Houston, you know, everything just feels like territory of, you know, every time you go to a stadium, you could tell that it's their tour, ter- that's their territory, that's their culture. And I think that is the most important thing in terms of going to games this year that I realized, most notably with AM and Wisconsin, because whenever you look at best college experiences, best college towns, those two always seem to be in top fives of, of in the top five of everybody's list. I'm probably gonna give AM just a slight edge over Wisconsin, but Wisconsin did have that really midwestern feel that i think a lot of people like to stereotype about but uh yeah th- those two are really really awesome yeah what about you josh josh who's your team i don't even know who your team is i'm a university of washington fan so this season was uh it was kind of good to just kind of have them as, as a third screen option you know kind of look up here and there but i mean overall it was just other besides washington just like destroying themselves and being bad um I have so many that I can run through real quick for favorite stuff. So the FCS just kept beating up on the F on the FBS. There was 12 uh, FCS wins over the FBS this season. And then including spring, games in the spring, it was a uh, 14, I think a uh, Steve Adazio 
Colorado State messing up at the end of a game where they could have spiked the ball with 15 seconds to set up a field goal and instead tried to run the field goal team on. And then there was mass confusion and then they missed the kick. And then the last game of Adazio's uh, coaching tenure, Colorado State, he got ejected in the first half. And as he was jogging off the field, no one cared. Not one of his players looked at him. No one in the stands like said like, hey, let's go, coach. It's all right. No, he just jogged off and everyone just like, whatever. Matariza, punting the ball, kicking the ball like a madman. Northern Illinois having a negative point differential and winning so many other games was awesome to see from action. Wake Forest and Army, that was a 70 to 56 game. It's crazy to see Army put up 56 and still lose. Uh, Vandy over UConn because just a sickos game, complete sickos game. But I watched the entire thing because shout out UConn plus 15 going into that game. That was that was a fun game overall. Some controversy at the end, maybe some offensive pass interference, but uh, it was fun to see UConn uh, almost. It, get the it was just so game. good to see such a great game between two terrible teams. Exactly. And, and, th- and that was the beauty of the entire thing. Exactly. Uh, Cincinnati making the playoffs just for the group of five teams. That was super fun to see. Uh, rivals overcoming um, some bumps. Uh, Michigan and Oklahoma State finally defeating their rivals after a long streak there. Mackenzie Milton, that was super fun to see. Um, and he played in the Hula Bowl this last Saturday. I didn't happen to catch that, but just to see him come back from his leg injury was so awesome. Sorry, Adam. I have uh, Red River. I got Red River and I got uh, Kansas beating Texas. And not only that, uh, the walk-on who caught the game-winning two-point conversion, Jared Casey, immediately getting a deal with Applebee's and a local automotive dealership right like after the game. Uh, Illinois-Penn State, nine overtime. Such a disgusting game, but nine overtimes was cool. UTSA, just the entire season was awesome. And finally, Jake Hayner around midnight with both of his legs just gone. His hips were gone. He's throwing the ball with just his arm, getting just enough behind it, defeating UCLA on the road. So just the, and I could, I had to cut, I had a giant list. I had to cut it down to that. I had so much more, but yeah. Season, man, it was so much fun. Yeah, it was. Um, aside for two of those things you mentioned, everything else was pretty exciting, I guess. For me, um, Andrew, you already know, it's it's Houston versus SMU, you know, undefeated SMU. 45 rivalry, yeah. We came through. We were doubted, um, but we got it, got the job done, stormed the field, met Andrew in person, first person we met in person. Um, so that was that was always nice. But you know, the crazy thing about that game is going to that game, SMU was obviously undefeated. Tanner Mordecai, I think, led at the nation in touchdown passes that season uh, at that point. Uh, they obviously had the crazy receiving core, which a lot of which a good chunk of it's coming back next season, anyways. That game honestly took a really weird tide in terms of that was the first of four losses that SMU suffered to end the regular season, and that was late October. You know, so they lost four of the last five games. Brutal for SMU. Other thing was, I think that was also the game that finally got Houston on the map in terms of it finally got them their respect. If we did not lose that opening uh, that opener against Texas Tech, Lord knows how well-ranked they would have been. Would we have been in a situation where Houston hosts Cincinnati in the AAC title game and maybe perhaps Houston beats Cincinnati and we see Houston in the playoff? You know, it, you know obviously 
the season just ended so hot and going into that game that I just don't really think it even mattered, but it, these whole, all these hypotheticals are always just so fun to think about. And the fact that we did truly realize that, Hey, this was a Houston team that was for real finished out the, the regular season really strong. Yeah. They obviously slipped up against, they obviously slipped up against uh, Cincy in the, in the title game, but then to get the bowl win over Auburn and the season, it truly gave you a sense of, that it was for real. This team was for real. This season was for real. It's no hoax. Dana's killing the recruiting field. He's killing the transfer portal. There's nothing but good feelings going on into 2022. Yeah, and also, like you mentioned, that was a downfall of SMU. They lost four straight, then lost their whole coaching staff right after that. So, <laughs> I mean. Is this – are we going to start seeing SMU going back to what they were, where, where they went like God knows how many seasons without being ranked once? Probably. I don't know who they're – I don't even know. Do they have a head coach yet? Red Lashley, Miami offensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, we'll see how he does. But they um, they, they, they were building something in Dallas, and all that's gone now. So, Hey, um, hey when you when you get that private TCU money, then that's that's how you know it's going <laughs> to go. That Big good. 12 money. I even TCU that Big 12 money. I mean, Big 12. I mean, let's be honest. One of those G5 schools on, on – I-45 is they, they went to the big 12, not the other one, but you know, before we go into the next part, here's something that needs to be, that needs to be thought of. There is talk and you have to, and you have to make a comment on this. It's sounding like Houston's going to be joint Houston, BYU, Cincy, UCF. It sounds like those guys are going to be joining the big 12 in 2023 yeah. as it stands. Yeah. And unless Texas and Oklahoma want to pay, a nine-figure buyout from the Big 12 to get out early. Looks like we're going to get two seasons of those four Big 12 teams, and we still get Oklahoma and Texas. And we'll actually get a North versus South division realignment. That's true. Uh, I, I just got to know. I know where just, you're going with this. Just because I'm curious. <laughs> Let's say at some point, we're 2023, we get UT versus Houston. I don't care if it's at DKR. I don't care if it's at TDCU. What are you going to be doing? One, I'll be going to the game, first okay. of all. I mean, okay, I, now, okay, now you got – All right, now what's going to be your apparel of choice going into that game? Yeah, because I saw the shirt you had and I see the beanie that you got <laughs> exactly. on. All right, is that, is that how it's gonna be? <laughs> that might be how it's gonna be, or I might just go completely neutral. Um, I'm not, I couldn't, I can't support one team over the other. I will say this you might have to do the same thing that I did when Houston played Wisconsin in the Maui Invitational. You may as well just go completely incognito, to be honest, exactly. I mean, I've thought about it because it's looking like that Oklahoma doesn't have the money to afford that buyout and Texas isn't going to buy them out. So they're going to be there till 2025, more than likely. So I've thought about it before. And yeah, I'm you, hoping it, uh, you might have to be like Rob Lowe when he showed up to that one NFL game wearing the NFL hat. You might have to find a Big 12 hat somewhere. Yeah, I'm going to wear a Big 12 shirt, Big 12 hat, you know, just root for the Big 12. My, and, uh, my heart, I, I I can't root against either one. Whoever it benefits more, I would probably want them to win. Like if if Houston is undefeated or something in Texas, and then I'll probably be rooting more for Houston. But 
It's, it, it'll be tough. It'll be tough. I, I will say this. There's going to be a lot of question over the credibility of the Big 12 once Texas and Oklahoma leaves. I'm personally not too worried about that because, you know, we saw Baylor and Oklahoma State make it to the Big 12 title game this year. That's still, to me, now it's still a strong conference. Dave Aranda is obviously building something special there. You, I think Houston's got two seasons, and we'll see how Dana recruits over these next two years. But imagine we can find, imagine Houston finally gets what they didn't get in 2015, and we can finally have a, a reputable schedule, a reputable you know team overall, and they can finally have a path to the playoff. Where you can finally say to yourself, "Hey, just win, and you're in." You know what I mean? You know. We don't ever have to worry about the giants of the power five falling. It's like now you have two prime opportunities where you can beat out Oklahoma. Well, that one's a little wishful thinking, especially after, especially against that Jalen Hurts show. But, you know, and, and you can still have an opportunity to beat Texas, even though Texas may not be where, where we want them to be. Just to have that marquee win on the schedule is still very important, and you can still have a couple of really good wins in the Big 12. We could talk 11-1, maybe 12-1 with a Big 12 title win. Houston still has a chance to make a playoff. And honestly, just that thought absolutely salivates, salivates yeah. my I brain. I feel like so. it just makes the games more meaningful as, as a fan when, like, you know that if we, if we keep winning, like, we're going to have a legit chance at competing for a national championship. All we gotta do is handle our business and nothing else. So I'm excited for it. I'm excited for it, honestly. So, so let's um, we all obviously had you know favorite players, you know, yeah, going this season. Adam, well, actually, Josh, I feel like we put you on timeout for a little bit here. Who is who would you <laughs> say was your favorite player this season? I mean, so many great players, but honestly, I still like I mentioned, I have to go with Jake Hayner. Just seeing that dude, he was at the University of Washington, then he uh, transferred out. Uh, but I'm still a big fan of his. Just he's just, I think he's listed at six foot. I'm pretty sure he's like five ten, and it says he's one eighty something. I'm pretty sure he's like it, he looks one sixty. But like again, the UCLA game, he just both of his hip sockets just look like they're dislocated. He's just hobbling out there. He's completing passes, and just every single game, he'd get hit with like a sledgehammer. He'd be down on the ground. He'd have to be carried off. Then he'd come back and play. And that was just super fun to see him play. And I think, yeah, he's coming back. So it'll be fun to get one more season, Jake Hayner in college. Just please Fresno State, just block for him and keep him healthy. Because my goodness, like <laughs> there were times like, especially at the end of the season, his injuries caught up to him where he just, he couldn't move. He's just in the pocket. He's just like, I, eh. but he completed it. And he, he's just awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I, I was I was racking my brain trying to figure out who like my favorite player was, and I was about to make a list like uh, Josh did about his favorite moments and just just rattle them off. But in the end, um, for for Texas, it was just a complete dumpster fire. So nobody from Xavier me. Worthy deserves a shout. Xavier Worthy, I love Xavier Worthy, but um, yeah, no, we lost to Kansas. I don't want to hear that. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want. I don't want. I don't. I don't want to look at them this year. They got to. They got to show me something. But we're back. With that being said, we are back. <laughs> but so I'm gonna pick someone from Houston. I'm gonna go with um, Alton. I think Alton McCaskill. Yeah, 
he Woodland, um, Woodlands legend. Hey, I want every media market out there to know this. Oak Ridge North is not Conroe. It's the Woodlands. I really wish people would. <laughs> I really, I like nothing irritates me more than hearing the, then turning on a Houston game and seeing people like, Oh, we have Alton McCaskill from Oak Ridge North and, and Conroe, Texas. Like guys, the difference between Conroe, Texas and the difference between the Woodlands is like Arkansas and Dallas. Okay. Like they may be close <laughs> to each other, but guys, I've been to Arkansas. Every time I step into Arkansas, I don't get out of the car until I get to freaking Missouri. Okay. Or Tennessee, the Woodlands associate him with the Woodlands. Okay. I know where Oak Ridge North is. It's not Conroe. It's Woodlands, but go it's ahead. All, it's I, all Houston. That's all I see. It's all Houston. Hey, Conroe's rednecks. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna go Alton because the University of Houston, they they, they saved my sanity. I was oh if if I wasn't a Cougars fan, then I probably went off the deep end. What just having a only root for Texas, the Texas Longhorn. So he played great. Um set set a freshman record for rushing touchdowns. So excited for next year. I'm gonna see what he has. How about you, Andrew? So I really do like Alton a lot. It, it, nothing warms my heart more than seeing Houston guys in the city just absolutely prospering. Mm-hmm. I love it so much. Uh, but I'm going to go with a guy, you know, even though Houston's very dear to my heart, I'm going to go with my actual hometown in Wisconsin, Fonda Lake, Wisconsin, and, and pick the guy who's not even allowed to buy a lottery ticket. And he set the college football world on fire, and that's Braylon Allen for Wisconsin. The guy – I'm not even going to say that he's 17 years old, even though I just contradicted myself and said that he was. But he was just absolutely amazing this season. He didn't truly break out until early October, October 9th against Illinois, I believe it was. Got over 1,000 yards, got on the second team, all Big Ten, was true freshman of the year to, to many people, which in my opinion he, he truly deserved. He showed out against Arizona State in the bowl game. I truly think this – this guy's going to be special. The fact that he's only 17, he's 240 pounds, the size of Derrick Henry, runs he, – he, he, the dude is a – the dude's a tank that has turbo speed. That is what he is. And the way that he runs, the powerful running that he, that he gets is just honestly spectacular. And I am so happy that someone from my hometown, Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, can, can, can grow up like that, you know. Truthfully, my the only thing that my hometown's really known for is having like the most dive bars per capita in the state. And it's been like <laughs> it's been in it's been in like top ten list of drunkest towns in America. What's what, what's your hometown again? It's a town called Fond du Lac. Fond du Lac? Yes. No, it has a real name. It it means bottom of the it means bottom of the link in French. What do y'all call it? Like what's the nickname, I guess? Uh Hicktown? <laughs> uh no i i, I pretty god i don't have any I, I mean don't really doesn't really have any foot of the lake really is just the only oh, the, what, what that, yeah i mean it's it's the french name that's all it is it's really ain't anything special about it. the only fun fact i could tell you about it is that i think i've read something that there are more lottery ticket winners per capita in that town than anywhere else in the country so if you want a lottery ticket just go up there you know but uh, in, in terms of Braylon, though, I absolutely love the kid. I think he actually might be my favorite Wisconsin player, my favorite Wisconsin running back, period. I think he has that potential, even though I love Melvin Gordon and Jonathan Taylor was absolutely great. Melvin Gordon is one of the reasons why I truly love the running back position. But uh, 
aside from him, I got to give huge props to Clayton too, really. You know, and I, I remember Dana said, he said a few times during the season where if the quarterback is in his third year in the system and if he's not good, don't blame the quarterback, blame the coach. He said things along those lines. And, you know, going the season, I remember the opening week against Texas Tech, I – I left Energy Stadium because I couldn't bear to watch Clayton Toon throw the football anymore. I mean, he threw. Yeah, four I was already going to get danced. Yeah, I mean, I was, I was like, it's New Year, it's the same shit, Clayton. Like, what the hell am I supposed to believe here? And he absolutely turned it around in a way that I couldn't even imagine it. He he had honestly such a great season, so productive, so efficient from that game on, even. I think I've read a. If I recall, I think he had more yards against Cincinnati's defense than any other quarterback did against that defense the whole season. I might need to be fact checked on that, but I'm pretty sure that's right. And the fact that he was able to put up that yards of like 260 yards against the likes of Kobe Bryant and Sauce Gardner in, in an ADC title game in Cincinnati, I honestly got to give him huge props because he's. He came. He overcame adversity. There were a lot of questions in regards to the wide receiver position in terms of where it was going to come from. Tank Dell absolutely showed out. He got some really good support from his running backs. And and Clayton Tune is still coming back next season. I think he's going to be a top. I think he's going to be in talks for top five quarterbacks in the country next season. Maybe maybe right on the edge. I mean, we still got likes of Bryce, Caleb. We'll see how good. We'll see how many people rate Tanner Warkai and all that. But uh, I think Clay's got a chance to have a really special season next year. And uh, that's really it. I couldn't be happier for the guy. And the fact that I was able to slap on his shoulder pads when we stormed the field against SMU, I, and I yelled at him QB1. Like, QB1. He, yeah. he, he has some big shoes to fill, too. He's replacing Greg Ward Jr. and then Derek King. Like, And I remember when when uh, when Clayton Toon overtook for, Clay, for, uh, for Derek King in 2019 – a lot of people they were they were kind of just like, oh. yeah. I mean, he, he was a wide receiver. He was out there catching routes from De'Ara King. Exactly, and <laughs> and it's like, and I remember throughout the 2019 season, I mean, it was terrible. I mean, we we went freaking four and eight that season, and then COVID struck the next year, and I think a lot of us we were kind of just like just tired. It's like when's something new going to come over, and it kind of just showed that like maybe just a year and a half of pain was was worth it, you know. I think in terms of seeing Clayton struggle the way that he did those first two seasons and us really wishing that we wanted De'Ara King back, it, it really it really was a blessing in disguise, you know, because the way I view it now, it was just growing pains and it was just a new hike. It was just a new coach in town. And the way that he's been over overcome the adversity into this season, overcome the criticism, because let's be honest, there were people on campus who didn't even want him there anymore. So you know, mm-hmm. huge, huge shout out to Clayton in that aspect. Uh, the adversity, the criticism, the fact that it felt like nobody believed in him, especially after that Tech game. Yeah, huge props to him. He he deserves all the praise. He's gonna he's gonna deserve all the preseason I'm going next season. I think in terms of just players that I'm excited to watch for in 2022, I think he's up. I think he's up there for me. I I I, I could not I could not be proud to, to have him rep the UH on his helmet. Yeah, it's funny you mentioned that because I was going to say that the the Cougars, along with Michigan, I think both of them, they they were my biggest surprise of the year because I didn't expect much from any 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 of those teams coming in, especially Michigan. How many games did Michigan win last year? Uh, like six, six, eight, seven, something like that. Look it up. They started off like zero and 
they were bad. Yeah, they were, actually, they were, actually, I think yeah, they had like half their. I think they had like just over half their games canceled. Now that I think about it, yeah. What was their record though? I'm gonna look it up right here. No, I know, I know, it wasn't that good. And then, Holy shit, it was two and four. Yeah, yeah they start. They started off. They I'm start gonna, off I'm gonna four? go ahead and just cancel. I'm gonna absolutely bleep out everything that I just said in terms of what it was. <laughs> Let's just be honest. COVID made everything forgettable last year, but that is true. Uh, I don't think anybody saw Michigan being this good. Nobody ever did. And even going into the season, I mean, I, I still thought they lost a ton of talent going into the season, even from mm-hmm. last year. But, you know, I remember I was watching a, a Josh Pate podcast episode and he said, it's not really about the returning starters. It's about who's your returning talent. And here's the thing. Michigan didn't really have much returning talent, period. They just had talent in the second streams from last season. And, you know, praise to Harbaugh. I think Harbaugh has done an absolute spectacular job in terms of coaching. I think I read a stat that they had like a 0.01% chance of even making the playoff this year. Just a smaller chance to win the Big Ten. Yeah, mm-hmm. shout, shout out Jim Harbaugh, man. I, and, you know, we're obviously going to talk a little bit more in, in a second, but th- it, it is a little sad that that this is the best season Michigan's had since he's been there. And all of a sudden, we still might see an NFL team try to snipe him. I mean, it's like you said, just give it time. Like you mentioned with the Clayton tune. I mean, sometimes you don't have to make the knee-jerk reactions to, you know, re- recycle and jump ship. So Josh, what, what about you? What was your biggest surprise? Biggest surprise, I got two teams. Uh, let's go Arkansas, finished 9-4. and yes. Easily could have been 10-11 win regular season. And my favorite part about them was that they get pre- they got pressure without blitzing just because their dudes were just big and they just kind of lean on the offensive line and then just push them back into the quarterback. That was just really entertaining to see. And then shout out Utah State, Gary Anderson, S-E-N, uh, sunk a bunch of programs, honestly. He left. Blake Anderson took over from Arkansas State, brought his quarterback over with him, and they finished 11-3 and Mountain West champs, and they won over a solid Oregon State team in their bowl game. That was just super fun for a Utah State team that last year they really struggled. And again, like I said, uh, Gary Anderson wasn't really the best there. And it was just fun to see for Blake Anderson too, um, his wife unfortunately passing from cancer, and he left Arkansas State just to get a fresh start. And, man, Utah State, that, that was fun. I don't know if they can build on that, but, I mean, at least for this year, those are two really fun surprises to see out of those teams. Fun fact, I think Utah State's win total, like preseason Vegas win total was like it was like three or four or something like that. What was it? Yeah, it was it was like three or four. Like there was zero expectations. And and truthfully, trust me, I know exactly what you mean with with Gary Anderson in terms of you know sinking ships. I mean, I think he gave Wisconsin some of the worst recruiting classes that they've ever had. Uh I know Barry Alvarez never had anything nice to say about him after he left. And from my understanding, he just wasn't popular in, in Madison when he was there, period. So, you know, rest in piss, Gary Anderson, for real. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean, nobody likes him. I don't – I don't. I legit – I mean, I, if, if, he, if he ever gets a head coaching gig again, it's just because of the minor, minor, minor success that he had at Wisconsin. Like, him going to Oregon State after he left, Dud. Him going to Utah State after with that, dud. All right. Like I said, dude's not very good. But uh, we got to give a huge shout out to Baylor, though. And I, and I know I mentioned it with Dave Rand a little bit. Baylor was one of those teams where I think it was 
something insane in terms of the preseason odds to win the Big 12. Pretty much they were non-existent. Almost like Leicester City winning the, the Premier League in 2015-16. But Baylor, we obviously know what happened with them about six years ago in terms of scandals, the, a lot of Art Bryles, the, the, the stain that he put on the program. Matt Rule was able to resurrect it for a little bit. He goes to Carolina, then comes in Dave Aranda, and he makes Baylor. You look at this Baylor team, and it actually they actually make it. It actually feels easy to cheer for those guys. You know, obviously nobody there that's there now had anything to do with what happened. You know, in the locker room seven years ago. But shout out to to Aranda, the way that he's been able to to rebuild the culture there a winning culture, a Sugar Bowl win to, to, to end the season against a very talented Ole Miss team. Uh, you got to look at Baylor now and what they're going to do in the Big 12, especially with Texas and Oklahoma leaving. Like, what kind of program are they going to be? I got to be honest with you, I did not give Baylor a chance going into the season. I thought they were still a dud. I thought they were not going to be winning. I thought they were going to just be an, another afterthought. Also, I didn't even give them really that much of a chance in the Big 12 title game either against Oklahoma State. Proved me wrong again, even though OK State was only a yard away from winning the game. But Dave Aranda, he just seems to be one of the most – he just seems to be one of those guys that you just really like to play for. And if I was Baylor, you're a private school Baylor. <laughs> you can pay him all the money in the world to keep him in Waco. And trust me, Waco is not a fun town to be in. So pay him all the money that you can. <laughs> yeah, I was. Um, I remember I, um, I was watching. It was when Baylor was playing Texas. They were running all over Texas, of course. And their running back, Abram Smith, he was a linebacker. And um, the coach, he didn't like any of his running backs. So he and his linebacker was just running over people. So he said, you know what? I want him to play running back. And then he goes and he rushes for what, 1500 yards yep, or something like that. Like, I mean, that's, that's the epitome of good coaching. I agree. Baylor was a great success story. Beat my longhorns, but you know, a lot of people did. So it's whatever. <laughs> <laughs> that was a disappointment of, of all. I don't uh now, now let's now should we go ahead and should we focus on the flip side in terms of most disappointing teams? Yeah, y'all know what mine are, so I'm gonna let y'all go ahead. Y'all know. <laughs> Josh, uh, Josh, uh, I think your pick is gonna be pretty easy, so you go ahead. Um, oh, by the, oh, by the way, before we go, how did how did none of us mention Michigan State in terms of surprising teams? That is. Oh true. yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're right. It's That's, just Michigan was more surprising to me. I don't know. I guess I, I, they were, we were so surprised with Michigan State that we forget that that we were still we're still surprised and we still not. I mean, that's exactly. They're still slept on. Yeah, I mean, I mean, shout out Mel Tucker. I mean, Kenneth Walker, <laughs> freaking beast of the season. I think Mel Tucker's got a great. I think he's got a great group of head, uh, guys ahead of him. He may, same thing. Michigan State, just like Baylor, had a bit of a you know. The salt case going on behind the locker room, and they seem to, you know, and even with the gymnastics with the Larry Nate, Larry Nasser, I think that's the guy's name. Uh, rest in piss. Also, uh, now shout out Mel Tucker. He's same thing with with what Aranda's doing with Baylor. He's turning a program around. He's making a, a winnable program. He's making a very attractive program to play for. Yeah. And uh, I hope he that, stays. I hope he doesn't get poached because. 
I think I think he can be successful there. He he he's he's got he's got he put up a better season this season than Mark D'Antonio ever did. And they did just give him the bag of all bags. Exactly. So I think they did, he's safe. He's gonna be around for at least at least and six, a, and a, and a, five you know, years. I think uh, upper I, level. Upper I don't level think he takes five years. Uh, I think I think he'll be there for five. I think you know they they already gave him one bag. I don't think they'll be afraid to to restructure it. Uh, to restructure the bag, I, th- I think he's safe there. I think his next contract they'll give him um they'll give him ownership of like all the car dealerships in the area and then <laughs> but just keep stacking on stacking on so yeah oh but my disappointment it's not gonna be washington even though i'm a fan they of them. are they had they had a bad they had bad season off season they were a disappointment but i mean seeing it even hearing stuff in the off season kind of how jimmy lake was uh well first of all how jimmy lake was confident that he could go get kellen moore to be the oc when kellen moore is the oc at dallas the Cowboys, I don't, Kevin Moore wasn't leaving that job. And I was like, uh-oh. And then everything went downhill. So it that was just kind of whatever. My biggest disappointment, team was super high on the beginning of the season. And they had a good season. They won the Rose Bowl, Ohio State. If they just had a defense, and in two games, if they just didn't get run over, they their offense is so good. I'm saying is, because like even going into next season, they're returning so many good players. They're just so good. I'm not saying they would have beaten Georgia, but Alabama's offense just died in the national championship game because they were missing the top two wide receivers. But I just would have loved to see the Ohio State offense go up against Georgia's defense. Um, And this is me taking the leap that they would have made it to the championship game, but I think they would have. So Ohio State, I'm disappointed in you because I wanted to see that offense in in the playoffs. Do you think they beat Alabama? That's yeah, they, they would have outscored them. They would so. have outscored them. It would have been like 50. It would have been in the 50s, but they would have they would have outscored them because Ohio State just had just had so much more than Alabama. Even the sad, though the sad part about Ohio State's season was CJ Stroud was seen as a lock for the Heisman until the Michigan game. Yeah, and then he and he, he played he played pretty well there. It's he just played that, really well. He played really well. He played about as well as you could in a game like that. It's just that Michigan's offensive line just just ran them over time and time again. So, and, and Ohio State had no offensive line period in that game either. Yep. So it's all about the trenches, and Ohio State didn't have them this year. So in terms of my most disappointing team. It's, I'm going to go ahead and just name a program that I've already just – that I just opened it up with such high praise for. Texas A&M, what the hell happened? I mean, you still had one of the best defenses in the SEC, but I'm sorry. That offense was some of the – I – you looked at – you, you looked at Zach Calzada. Lauren, Lauren, I know you're listening. We're sorry, but Zach Calzada – at least Zach Calzada is no longer there. Okay, he's now at Auburn. As far as I'm concerned, good riddance. I mean, I remember in the chat, I, I said something along the lines of Zach Calzada had the most games this season where he threw under 60%, and that was like freaking 11, I think it was. This dude was, oh, my God. Like, this dude was just so unbearable to watch, and it wasn't just that. It was just even the offense just as a whole. Like, it wasn't just him. Like, you guys, you got guys like Weidermeyer, and you got – 
Spiller and you got uh, uh, Devonna Chain. You got really good, talented guys, but you just didn't have the quarterback to support them. I mean, it wasn't just Zach Calzada. Even Haynes King didn't even look that good in, in, in the first two games. Granted, he did get injured against Colorado. Probably could have made a couple differences, you know, against Arkansas or Mississippi State. But that offense for a and was just awful, and I just don't even know how good they're going to be with, with their D.C. now taking the uh, the job at, uh, at Duke now. We'll just see, you know, and, and don't get me wrong. AM's going to get a lot of preseason hype going into next season. And I'm going to start asking myself, be careful. Because I love this AM recruiting class. I really do. It's number one in the history of college football for a reason. But this is not the recruiting class that's going to take you over the hump in 2022. I give it until 2023, maybe 2024, where Jimbo's guys really come in and flourish. We'll see how that goes. AM, I would not be surprised if they went eight and four again in, in the regular season. Yeah, the problem is Jimbo just needs to open up the offense because it's so he loves the defense and the defenses have he always, trusts the defense so yeah, much way, he, way too much and it's it's almost that, like a that, pro that style he's, where that like he's willing to, is that he's willing to run the ball you know however many times a game if he has to and look and look i even wrote an article preseason calling isaiah spiller a dark horse heisman candidate and if i think that if that offensive that if that offensive game plan throughout the season was just a little bit more versatile i think he'd be first team all sec and not second team yeah, I, mean, I agree, but I'm a Longhorns fan, so I enjoy seeing Texas A&M lose, especially when that's <laughs> bad. So yeah. it was great watching them lose at uh, Cowboy Stadium too to the Razorbacks. I was at the game, so you were at that game. Fine. Yeah, you were on the Arkansas. Don't you have Arkansas ties or somehow? Yeah, my whole family's from Arkansas, so that's my that's my SEC team. I always root for them. Who's going to be your SEC team in three years? The horns, they already know. They already know what happens, you know. I was rooting for Texas when Texas played Arkansas. Hardcore. We lost, but it's okay. So, speaking, you know, we already spoke a little bit on Transfer Portal. I think we got to ask a little bit of the question of where will some of these guys be? Yes. In 2022. And we got a couple names here that I think uh, that we kind of like hinted at a little bit. And it's got to be like. Yeah, we got to start asking some questions. Caleb Williams, you think you would think he would have made a decision by now? This is this is getting kind of testy at this point. I, I'm losing a little bit of patience with him. <laughs> yeah, I think from what I read that he he wanted to go to USC, but he wasn't impressed when he visited USC, so that kind of stalled things a little bit. That's what I'm guessing happened. I mean, obviously, I don't know. I'm not, you know in his circle, but that's what I could assume because it looked like all signs pointed, pointed towards him going to USC with, you know, Mario Williams is already there. So I don't know. What do y'all think? I mean, I was going to ask you, where do you think he's going? I still think he ends. Oh man, I don't know. Still think I still want to, if I had, to, if I was a betting man, I would still say he ends up at USC, but it might take a little bit. It, more. It, it, I just don't understand where else you'd go to be honest. Besides, besides yeah. the likes of an Ole Miss, like it's it's either USC or Ole Miss. I heard a report that Wisconsin was in the was in the mix for Caleb Williams, 
I heard I heard that. <laughs> I heard that and I'm like, no. Uh, I no. would like to see him go to like Michigan or something if Jim Harbaugh stays. Well, JJ McCarthy is gonna is like the is like the prized possession right now in Ann Arbor. Like is he? Yeah. Is he better than Caleb Williams? Because Caleb Williams is pretty good. I mean, he is pretty good, you know, but I just think it's the mindset that's in Michigan right now. I just they think they just guy. they just they just got their guy and it kind of just feels a little screwed up to just throw somebody in there. You know, I'm going to also go USC just because it just feels like the dream fits. Uh, you know, I will, you know, I'm about to bring up another name in a second where I think he's going to go, but USC just seems like the dream fit, you know, with Jackson darts out of USC, it just, and also with Slovis going to pit where else, who, who what other splash landing are you going to get other than Caleb Williams? Realistically, you know, Familiar with Lincoln Riley's offense already. Feels like the dream NIL location, which I think is what's best in USC's hands right now. Mm -hmm. There's no reason for him to not want to go to USC. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to look. And so I'm on, what is this? This is USC's uh, admission. So this is admission.usc.edu. This is dates and deadlines. So it says for transfer students, uh, February 15th is the transfer deadline for so December 1st is a transfer deadline for uh, some programs, but I don't believe that these are majors that Caleb Williams would be would have. They're all like fine art stuff. So February 15th is says it's the deadline for other programs. So that might be he might be waiting like until February 15th. So I'm still going to go. USC, like you guys said, um, Ole Miss. I don't think I don't he's going to Ole Miss, though. I think Jackson yeah. Dart's going. That's exactly where we're going next. I mean, I just yep. think Jack. You know, if you look at Jackson Dart's Twitter right now, he seems to be living it up with Lane Kiffin a little bit. Everybody and loves Lane Kiffin, though. Every, you know, Lane Kiffin really. You know, Lane Kiffin's a great guy, isn't he? But I, I, I think Jackson Dart. I think he is going to go to it's Ole Miss, and Ole Miss did land Zach Evans. You know, Houston legend right there, by the way. You know, from T, you know, they lured him from TCU. So a Jackson Dart Zach Evans partnership just honestly just sounds really, really fun to watch, really entertaining, really good uh, one two punch that I think Old Miss can carry out next season. Mm-hmm. Probably even better than Corral and Ely to an extent. You know, I, I really, I really do like that partnership right there. And, and Jackson, you know, he's shown up a little bit for USC last season. He's shown that he can definitely play at this level. Yeah, him, him, and Zach Evans at Ole Miss paired up. Let's do it. Yep, keep him away from Oklahoma. I don't, I don't want to play against him. So yeah, I, be- I don't think he's going to go to Oklahoma because Dylan Gabriel did go there. It's just the one thing that in that's hovering in my mind is that there's been a bunch of coaching turnover besides Lane Kiffin, and that I think Dart's still going to go there. But then there's the chance that, and we know Lane Kiffin, he might just bounce just at any moment. I'm pretty sure he, I'm pretty sure for Dart's case that Dart will be fine and that Dart will be gone before Lane Kiffin's gone. But we're not sure. So you never know. But yeah, like even though Dart like posted like a day or two ago, he was in he was like all dressed up in an OU uniform. I still feel like him going to this Ole Miss offense. Um it makes I know sense. The, yeah, I know the OC left, but like it's it's Kiffin's offense. So that'll be really fun to see Dart. Because Dart, I remember uh he played against Washington state and he was making throws that were very ill-advised, but they were very fun to watch. And that kind of sounds like 
um, young Matt Corral. So put him with Ole Miss, let him throw like eight interceptions in a game, but then he'll figure it out by year two. All right, we kind of already mentioned a little bit. Jim Harbaugh, is he going to be in Michigan or is he going to the NFL? I think he's going to the NFL. I think he's gone. I think he's going to the Raiders. I think that's where his heart is, in my opinion. In the Bay Area? Yeah. And, I mean, I feel like I feel like he did what he had to do. He got the monkey off his back at Michigan. Like, he beat Ohio State. He made the, you know, he made the – the playoff is like, okay, is, is Michigan going to compete for the championship next year? I don't, I don't see them doing that. Of course, I didn't see them being this good this year either. But my thing with my thing with Jim Harbaugh is that if he bounces from Michigan this offseason, he should never be allowed through those doors at Ann Arbor ever again. And it kind of pains me to say because I know he's like Michigan guy to the core, but you do not give girl alma mater this type of success you have this much hope for the for the foreseeable future and you just leave like that for a paycheck i mean look everybody's got to do what they got to do okay that that is important but in terms of jim harbaugh's sake dude you were kind of I mean, brought you you're you were kind of brought in to be Bo schembechler 2.0 that's what ann arbor that's what the ann arbor faithful wants and i understand that he's got to look at his money and all that but it just seems it just seems like he's not going to get a better fit anywhere else other than Michigan. And look, we've seen the Raiders mess, you know, it's you know their, their coaching mess, not, not just John Gruden, but everything before him even. And let's be honest, Mayock didn't exactly make things better either. I just feel like at Michigan he, with this season, I feel like he could tail this season for for years, for the next four years at least, and he's not going to get fired. This is the most secure location for Harbaugh. This is where his identity is. This just feels like the perfect place for him to be. And they're going to pay him whatever he wants. Yeah, but I, I feel like he, he doesn't seem like that type of guy where he just wants to just be complacent and just sit around. He just he seems like he, the way he the way he carries himself, how, how he reacts. He's like a very fiery guy, very passionate. And I, I feel like um, as a Michigan fan i mean he left the program miles better than what it was when he took it over and then the raider he has a, a good opportunity to go to the raiders the raiders aren't bad they're not they're not a horrible team you know they have some pieces so i mean i'm i just i don't know if i would leave if i was him but when there's smoke there's fire we've seen this before it's just it just keeps ramping up and ramping up it's, it feels like the writing's on the wall to me that he's gonna leave yeah, and the thing with Harbaugh is he did have to take a pay cut, which, and like he gave out some of his bonuses to some like um, some of the other people there at Michigan, which was a really cool thing to do. But some of the smoke has been that he wants his money back. Fair enough, like you led Michigan to the playoff, and like it, people always gave Michigan so much garbage for not making the playoff. But the thing was, if you go look at them overall, like they were close so many times. It's just that they needed to get over Ohio State, and then they finally did. But I don't know, just, they, they did choke against Iowa that one year. Yeah, the one year. But the thing is that one place to look at is the Miami Dolphins because owner Stephen Ross is a Michigan alum, Michigan booster, helped get Harbaugh to Michigan. Like he did so much to get Harbaugh to Michigan. Stephen Ross is fairly old, and I know he wants to win one with the Dolphins before 
he dies just just straight up he that's what everyone wants to do and so i wouldn't be surprised if he says hey harbaugh come on down i'll give you whatever and he was ross was asked about it and the way he phrased it was kind of like how when lincoln riley was asked are you gonna be the coach at lsu and then lincoln Riley said i want to be not be coaching lsu and he said specifically that, and then he left the USC because he never said he wouldn't coach at USC. And the way Ross phrased is that I will not, he said, I will not be the one to take Harbaugh away from Michigan. That doesn't mean he's not texting Harbaugh and saying, hey, just, just resign and then I'll pay you. That's just another place where I see Harbaugh going. I don't know if he leaves. I have no idea because there's so much smoke either way. Um, but I can see both sides to him staying or going. And I would like to see him go down to Miami. Just I'd like to see him back in the NFL because he was pretty good in the NFL until his quarterbacks just fell off. And that's been what's holding him back in Michigan. He hasn't had a good quarterback until this year. Well, good. Kid McNamara was serviceable enough. McCarthy was serviceable enough. But, yeah, I just think that Harbaugh more, win a national championship, yeah, but then what more can you do? So if he's satisfied with what he's done, I – could see him just bouncing right away all right next one now before i say this adam you did ask in the chat what happened with him that sort of thing i want you to imagine this i know you're a giants fan what would you do tomorrow if something if you saw something on your espn app an espn notification saying something along the lines of ryan day linked to the giants Mm, I would, I would, I wouldn't be happy. Also, I wouldn't be uh, upset. I don't. Actually, no, I probably wouldn't like it. I don't know if I feel. I don't. I don't. Think, I don't. I don't want to see a college coach coming to the Giants. I think we have a lot more issues. I think we need somebody a little bit more experienced to fix that problem. Like Jesus. Jesus, yes, or Russell Wilson. Either one. Hey. Fair enough. <laughs> Either one will work. But yeah, you, you you mentioned Ryan Day, and I was very confused because I saw that he he we hired like fifty percent of his staff last week, and now he's getting. Linked I'm, I'm, I'm just job. I'm just saying, man. Look, I've seen crazier things happen. Yeah, but like, to I, hire- I, if you if you want my personal honest opinion, I think he I think he come I think he'll be back in Ohio State. I give it. 90% chance that he does come back because I do think any link you see with him going to an NFL team, I, I just don't see him as an NFL guy. But to be honest, I didn't see Urban Meyer the same way either. I'm sure a lot of people didn't view Nick Saban back in 2008 the same way either, 2009 or whenever that season was. But uh, no, hold up. 2006 has to be, whatever. Uh, but, in all, but in all honesty, would it totally shock me? No, because – who is the one guy that just feels destined to be Ohio State's coach whenever that time comes? Luke Fickle. And Luke Fickle, right now, his stock is at the peak of his powers right now. If, if anybody came snooping around Ryan Day and said, hey, like any NFL team, could be Miami, could be Las Vegas, could be Giants even. I mean, even if you may not like that or the Bears, you know, who knows? I could, I, I wouldn't be surprised to see the you Bears. you take them on the Texans? Well, I'm not a Texans fan, but... Oh, you're not, but I guess... Uh, well, I mean... Uh, 
truthfully, let's just be honest. I mean, Texans are just another franchise that needs Jesus right now. <laughs> just as another simple. I mean, they literally hired a coach to fire him the next season. That was literally their plan the whole, the whole time. I I don't know even know why anybody would want to coach over there right now, to be honest. But it but like in terms of Ryan Day, I could see him going, I could see him going to the Bears because I've seen the Bears make very stupid decisions. I wouldn't I wouldn't put it out of their way. It's Midwest. He already knows the area, even though in the NFL it doesn't really matter. But I don't know. I just, I just say don't. I just say don't rule it out. That's all, that's all I'm gonna say in regards to that. I still think he'll be Ohio State Buckeye coach, but I wouldn't totally rule out him him leaving. Yeah, I mean, if he didn't just hire fifty percent of a new staff, then I would. I could definitely see it. But after that, I mean, that just seems like just a dick move to do. Yeah, for day jobs and then just leave. <laughs> yeah, for day he's at one of the very few programs that can compete for a national championship. I mean, they made it last year. Uh, they got smacked by Alabama, but yeah, that's a really good program at Ohio State. And when the and I think with day also is that this is going to be the first real. I think this is one of the first few seasons where his recruits are coming in. Like all the Urban Meyer ones have completely cycled out by this time. So we'll see because like. Already some Ohio State fans are like calling for his head because they're not winning in the they're not winning in recruiting as they think they should be, but they're still Ohio State's still really far up there in the recruiting rankings. I think they're still top five. So yeah. I don't know I don't, I don't know what they'll be bitching about. Yeah, Ohio State fans are Ohio <laughs> State fans. But I think not yet. I think I like putting over unders on things. I think four and a half years is a good over under to set. I think it might be year four when he's guys are quick class everything's cycled up and i think another thing too is that he he doesn't knowing the area doesn't matter like you said andrew but knowing the quarterback matters and he knows justin fields with the bears and i know the bears i don't think this season they're gonna go get randy but maybe four years that's about the time to bring in a coach who can help build it up and then fire that coach go get ryan day and then you're set but I don't know. He, I feel like he's also a guy who's just linked to the NFL because he's a really good college coach, and it's not all like good also, college he, coaches also, aren't exactly. always good NFL coaches. So like Nick thing, Saban, Ryan so. Day is one of those guys where you just look at, and he and he's a very likable person, but he's very likable in the same almost the same way they view like a Coach O. Even well, granted, I'm not saying Coach O is a great college coach what i'm saying is like he does have that he gives off that vibe where like you feel comfortable around him you you feel like you could talk about everything and ryan day i mean he's done a lot for like mental health awareness within the program and within charities and it's honestly a really good thing that he's done he's obviously got a really good culture right there in columbus i think everybody knows how state trusts him right now i think it's the same thing that i view with harbaugh whereas I just think he does have the most secure job. He has among the most secure jobs in college football right now. And it's also just insane where you can just look at Ohio State's offense this season. It's the, it was the most efficient. It was among the highest scoring. It was among the highest in yardage. C.J. Stroud led the nation in, in passing efficiency. And people are still pissed off about the season when in reality, you just didn't have a defense that could defend. That was the main point. But – uh. 
it's going to be interesting what, what Ryan Day does within the within the next four seasons. For all we know, the vibe could change. He could be linked with NFL jobs more heavily. We've seen weirder things happen. Let's be honest. No matter how many times the operation has failed, NFL teams will always come snooping for, for a major college coach. It's just how it works out. Yeah, that's true. It does, beg the, it does beg the question, who was the last college coach to be hired into the NFL to have major success? Um, you want to count Cliff Kingsbury? No. Jimmy, no. <laughs> Jimmy Johnson. No, Pete Carroll. Pete Carroll. Yeah, yeah. I was, I was gonna say Pete Carroll at the. True, truthfully, Pete Carroll. I mean, the thing with Pete Carroll though is that he already had NFL experience before. True, so, true. So, I granted, it really wasn't good experience, but it was experience. Period. But then yeah, what, it, then is it Jimmy Johnson? Then he's the only he's the only big time college head coach I can think of who went to the NFL and. Did and, good he, and he and he's never and he's never had any NFL experience before coaching at Miami, did he? Played I don't nothing. believe so. Oh, look it up real quick. Yeah, yeah. Jimmy Johnson, like I'm trying to think. Um, Nick Saban had that one year with the Dolphins, didn't do anything. Uh, yeah, I can't um, think of anybody else. Yeah, it's mm, yeah. thinking, thinking. This is great podcasting. I'm thinking. <laughs> I could be Googling this, but instead we're just going to fill the time while Andrew's – does Andrew yeah. have an answer on Jimmy Johnson? He's never coached in the NFL before the Cowboys. All right, so we'll say Jimmy Johnson then. Jimmy? There has to be somebody in between, man. I don't know. I feel like we're forgetting somebody. I legitimately – like like I said, I'm not going to count Cliff Kingsbury because you got people already calling for Cliff Kingsbury to be fired already, which – What? Yes. People are what? People are idiots. Like, guys, like <laughs> – Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, like this is their first season actually in the playoffs. Man, like, it's yeah. like chill out. Like, very year together. I think he's a great coach. Actually, like, I, I, th- I think he's a fun coach to play for, and it's a fun offense. And I, I think I, he's fun. It's just the offense is so simple though, because the air raid, like the Mike Leach air raid, so many players have come out and said, "Yeah, the Mike Leach offense is literally like eight to nine plays." Not saying Kingsbury's is that, but the whole thing of the air raid is just run to grass, and they lock in players like. If you go look at Cardinal highlights, Hopkins is always on the left side, and then there's some guy on the right side. When Hopkins was out, they didn't just like move this guy over; he still stayed. So sometimes with Kingsbury, it's like so simple. It's too simple, but I think you got to give him another year because Murray's been hurt the past two seasons down the stretch. So we can get some more weapons too. I mean, yeah, like, we get some someone besides Hopkins. Yeah. I mean, hey, look, man, Rondell Moore is good, man. I mean. Yeah, they got decent. Christian Kirk isn't bad. He almost had a thousand yards. Yeah, the problem though with the problem with Ron no more, they're like, we're gonna throw you bubble screens. I feel like they, that's they, it. They, that's my thing with Rondell Moore. Like, don't get me wrong. Like Rondell Moore, like he's fast and he's shifty, but like, like he was deadly as a deep threat at Purdue. It's like why? It's like why the hell aren't you doing the same thing with him? Like when I was watching him last night, like like you said, his bubble screens are like in routes. I'm just like, what the hell are you doing? This dude's like among the fastest players on the field, and you're not doing anything to help them it's like it's like they take a puzzle but then when they finish the puzzle they glue it and then they laminate it and then they put it in a picture frame then they put it in a safe like that's what it is this is what the offense is going to be so i don't know maybe kingsbury is going to be the next kingsbury is going to be the next offensive coordinator at usc with lincoln riley to be fair though i will (laughs) hang on a second where's graham harrell now 
Because he just went somewhere. West Virginia. Uh, Packers legend, Graham Harrell, by the way. But uh, all right, guys, uh, I think we finished. I think we essentially finished everything up right here, didn't we? Yep. Yep. You got anything else? Uh, guys, don't forget to like, follow, subscribe, comment, criticize. Read our articles. Pray for us. Yeah. Do whatever you can to support us, really. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, guys, we're, we're still going to have more articles. You know, Andrew and Liam, they're busting out the draft content. Keep an eye on that. Go ahead. Roast their, roast their mock drafts. Everybody loves to do that. Uh, guys, we said that there is no real offseason. Okay, guess what? Now that the actual gridiron play is over, it's time to focus on recruiting and NFL draft content. So, guys, like I said, make sure you like, subscribe. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Transfer Portal CFP podcast. This is my podcast, CFP. And you guys have yourselves a great rest of your night.